So, so what do we call this though? Let's think about that. We got get, get a good name. The official IPA League podcast. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah, that's a good one. I like that. More concerned, my wife's gonna walk in the middle of this. Like, what are you doing? What the like, fuck are you doing? <laughs> like, what what are you even doing in here? Like, well, I'm recording a podcast, like I told you. That's what I'm doing. But why? We're getting we're rich. Football. <laughs> we're gonna we're gonna become celebrities. This is the official IPA League podcast. Hello and welcome to the inaugural episode of the official IPA League podcast. The IPA League now has a podcast. It is called the official IPA League podcast with Mark and Nick. What's up? Hello, Nick. I'm Mark. So, guys, this is going to be, um, you know, just sent to the people in this fantasy football league to start, but I can imagine this getting massive and really getting national media attention and probably a lot of sponsorships. And so, you know, since we are the IPA league, our first call is going to be to Dogfish out of Delaware. It's a good mid-Atlantic state, and we like IPAs. So we're just putting that out there. If you have one to sponsor, it'll be great. So we run through what we're going to go uh, through each week. Basically, what we're going to do is recap last week. We're going to go through a best call and a worst call of the week. For those that are going to be in the worst call, you can imagine actually being on this podcast because we're going to interrogate you. We're going to grill you. We're going to want to understand why the fuck you made the decision you made and how the fuck are you going to undo it by being better next week. And if we have a two-timer in a row, probably going to have some sort of punishment that I create on the fly. So be ready for that, y'all. Then we're going to go into kind of the matchups and what's happened this week what we like, don't like, um, going to evaluate, evaluate you based upon your flex players to get ready for that. And then we're going to go through some risers, followers of the week and basically wrap it all up and push it out, hoping to clock this in about 45 minutes. So, you know, be a nice little Saturday morning walk with the dog or, you know, need to tune out girlfriend, wife, whatever. I'm the one with the wife, I think. So girlfriend, fiance, and you can go from there. All right, so let's get into it. Um, let's start out with the, the recap of last week, and let's go through the best call and worst call. So, Nick, why don't you hit us with the, with the best call of the week? So my best call of the week was everyone played their best lineups pretty much across the board except for Mark and Chris. So congratulations on not leaving a lot of points on your bench, guys. That's always one of the biggest pitfalls in fantasy is leaving your best players on your bench, making a terrible start-sit decision. So congratulations on that. Mark and Chris did not make the best calls in this regard, um, but fortunately they played each other in the absolute worst matchup of the week. It was pretty terrible. Uh, Mark, do you want to expand on that at all? Yes, I'll, I'll expand on that there, um, Nick. So basically, my worst call of the week is just that matchup in general. That matchup pitted me, who fancies myself a, a decent fantasy league player, against Chris, who I fancy is not a decent fantasy league player, but you know only that came out of that were both bad fantasy players um in particular like my worst call is me benching tyree kill in favor of Dion lewis i somehow hang on I, hang on let's if, let's let's be clear you benched tyree kill in favor of Dion lewis in his first game with the giants who scored 1.5 points and keelan fucking cole on the jaguars on thursday night who scored 6.3 points yeah listen i'm not proud of it I went back to my notes that I wrote during that time, and, and all I had was I had, I'm nervous. I had, I might lose this whole league. I have, fuck, Saquon Barkley was my first-round pick and is gone. <laughs> and I basically had no clue what I was doing and convinced myself that the Kansas City-Baltimore game was going to be a grinded-out slugfest where Baltimore would have the ball for 35 minutes and that you know San Francisco 49ers were basically trotting out me and you Nick in their secondary and in their linebacking core and guess what Keelan Cole was supposed to be the number two option since Chark was down he played maybe five snaps so listen at the end of the day it was a fucking awful call but it was a close awful call to what Chris did can you can you tell me a little bit what Chris did here (laughs) so Chris as we all know is our corrupt commissioner 
Uh, he gave himself the number one overall pick to draft Christian McCaffrey this year. He widely agreed upon as the number one fantasy player overall. As we all know, Christian McCaffrey suffered a high ankle sprain and uh, went down. So our shady commissioner there picked up his backup in Mike Davis for quite a hefty fee off the waiver wire. And How much uh, did he spend there? Do you, do you have that? Um, how yeah, much he spent? Let's just take a look. So I'm looking at it right now, and he spent $16 to pick up Mike Davis off of the wait, waiver what? wire. Wait, 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 hold on. He spent $16, that's it, on picking up the handcuff to the number one overall pick after he's already gone down? So I think the reasoning behind that has to be that no one's ever seen this guy play, and like an interesting topic heading into this season was Christian McCaffrey has like a 95% snap share, and gets 30 touches a game and no one's ever heard of his handcuff while people are drafting and rostering guys like Alexander Madison, Tony Pollard, Chase Edmonds is another one. So no one ever heard of this guy. So, you know, I think people were probably a little bit indecisive about spending a huge amount of money to pick him off of waivers. But I mean, I'm looking at similar pickups and we have Keelan spending $18 on Joe Kelly. And that's not even going back to the money that Keelan spent on two guys that I don't think are even still on his team in Benny Snell and uh, Naheem Hines. That's who it was. He spent, 30, he spent $37 on his waiver. <laughs> I think he, clear. he spent 50% of his budget on two guys that basically uh, are not very useful anymore. The Benny Snell one's the real bad one. Uh, he also spent $18 on Joe Kelly. Not Joe Kelly, Josh Kelly, Skell's other cousin, who did not play well last week. I spent $16 on Leonard Fournette, who did not play well last week. Cam spent $15 on Dion Lewis, who is no longer on his team. So we have, a re- we have a lot of really bad waiver pickups, and we have Mike Davis for $16, which looks like a great value in hindsight. Doesn't look like such a great value when you leave him on your bench, though. Yeah, especially not after, you know, instead of playing him, you played the combination of Mark Ingram in your running back two slot, who had a whopping three points and then marvin jones in your flex for 6.6 yeah you know, if you're going to spend some waiver money either immediately drop him like everybody else in this league does or <laughs> at the very least put him in your fucking lineup i think that's pretty fair great so do you have oh i have my best call of the week we didn't get to talk about it yet the fact that this league which may have over 100 transactions in the first three weeks as we were scrolling through was able to pull off a three-team trade took about two hours plus of my thinking then two hours plus of negotiating then i think we just needed our old corrupt commissioner to just kind of get drunk and then be willing to do the trade because i'm pretty sure that trade happened when all three of us were a little tipsy so what was your analysis what did you think about the trade Dude, I thought it was crazy. I got about 7,000 text messages yesterday. And just taking a look through the trade, we saw Patrick Mahomes. We saw Tyreek Hill. We saw the number one overall pick, Christian McCaffrey. We saw Chris Carson. Uh, We saw a lot of different really, really big names move around in this trade. It's a big, big blockbuster trade. And it's, you know, it's pretty impressive that (laughs) this actually was able to be pulled off and somebody didn't get cold feet and back out because... As we all oh, know, no, people, people, people tried. Don't worry. People oh, did try. Of course. But as we all know, like executing fantasy trades is like pulling teeth sometimes because usually there's somebody who knows what they want and they're trying to be savvy about it. And there's somebody else who feels like they're getting taken advantage of because they probably are. But yeah, no, the, the three parties got together, worked it out. Keelan pulled off another trade yesterday in addition to that as well. Yeah, people have been really moving and shaking in this league and it's uh, it's been interesting to watch. Have you been in a fantasy league where it actually has this much trade activity? Because this is the first time I've seen this much. Yeah, not this much. Usually it's just predatory trade activity where like the people who actually know what they're doing are really trying to get the good players from the idiots who are trying to throw the league in, in any way that they possibly can, and, and they usually do. Yeah, let's talk about a controversial subject here, potentially. I, I got some rumors that there were going to be some people throwing the league, myself included. Um <laughs> How would you like to, you know, if you heard any of these rumors, you understand what's happening. I, I think we've quelled it all for now, but did you hear anything? I mean, it's purely hearsay at this point, but um, yeah, I think I think at any point when your team is not doing as well as you want it to, perhaps your top pick overall has a season-ending injury, um, yeah. and it's, it's pretty difficult to recover from at that point. I think people start, you know, feeling uh, very existential about their 
place in a fantasy league and they're they're wondering you know you know what's what's really the point of all this and i think that's really the point of a good forfeit a good punishment um to let a finder fire under those guys and and make sure that they understand that we're all here for the same reason and that's to not have to do whatever the fuck that punishment is going to be yeah anyways well i think we should probably by week six try to solidify out what we want that to be we'll maybe bring on a couple people who have good ideas and let them talk out and, and hatch it through with us. The, uh, the only have people, have people is, paid, by the way? I feel like that's people... unclear. We, we should ask the commissioner for that. <laughs> we should really, we should really get these have... details nailed down before this gets too out of hand. Yeah. Have you paid? I certainly have not. Okay, so definitely not everyone's paid if you haven't. What the fuck? Why is that even a question? You should pay. <laughs> I, should, I should pay, but I, I mean, I don't, I don't know these people. <laughs> I, I don't know who, what's going on. That's fair. Clearly, none of us have any idea what's going on. But uh, giving... commissioner, commissioner, can you can you clarify how much we should be paying for this league? Yeah, and who the is people, not? The, the people request an appearance from the commissioner and a, a clarifying statement regarding uh, the rules of this league, because right now yeah. it's it's a lawless wasteland. Well, that's why me and you're here, though. We are the people who are going to continue to be establishing the laws and enforcing them well, and just um, making them up as we go along. Absolutely. I mean, what else would we do? The one thing I will add in my honorable mention for best call of the week is uh, Baz's QB power list. Um, oh, I mean, absolutely. I, I just got to mention it. I don't want to do a deep dive on it here and in this episode because that's going to be a 60-minute Baz, me, you, just like talk through every single choice he made and try to understand any of it because I don't think I can it's, at all. It's not going to be easy. I'm telling you that right now. My favorite of the list is still the fact that I think he originally had Drew Locke as a top 10 quarterback. Oh, for um, sure. I mean, Drew Locke, as we all know, is, is better than Dak Prescott. He's better than Hall of Fame quarterback Ben Roethlisberger. He's better than Hall of Fame quarterback Phillip Rivers. Um, better than Hall of Fame quarterback Drew Brees, I think. Yeah. Better than Hall of Fame No, actually, actually, he had Drew Brady. Brees in his top five, um, which was oh. a take that aged extremely poorly because, as we can clearly see now, Drew Brees is fucking washed. And... Uh, the only thing that can really yeah, save the Saints at this point is uh, none other than Jameis Winston. That's going to be exciting. I can't wait to see how much Jameis rises on that QB list his first start. I mean, it's going to be it's going to be fun. Let's be very clear. He couldn't see last year, uh, and now he had corrective surgery, LASIK, I do believe, and uh, he can see now. So the sky's the limit for Jameis, as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, probably just sixty. You know, all those interceptions probably just turn into touchdowns. So he's looking at a sixty touchdown season. You know, when he plays the full one. You're kidding, but I'm not. So that's uh, <laughs> something to look out for. All right, I'll let you have that take. I'm gonna I'm gonna give my honorable mentions for worst calls of the week. Uh, run through oh, them really quickly. Top of the honorable mentions for worst call of the week are Baz dropping the Bucks defense, who I played and scored 18 points for me. Thank you very much, Baz. He dropped them for the Rams defense, who managed uh, four points, which is a differential of minus 14. And, and this is something that I don't really understand because he was big on the Bills this week, uh, gambling-wise, oh, and then played the Rams defense, um, who only managed to score four points. So that was definitely questionable um, for a differential of minus 14 points. Uh, good job, well, I mean, Baz. It could, be, it, it could be an interesting play by Baz there, kind of a win-win, right? Which is, hey, if you're going to lose a bunch of money – Maybe you win your fantasy game. You know, I, I don't mind that play from Baz. It's, it's a good hedge. I just, yeah, no, never mind. It's why do you, why are you hedging this? It was Go a pretty, all in. It was a pretty terrible hedge because he almost lost both, which would have been great. The Rams uh, really mounted a strong comeback against the Bills there towards the end, but didn't didn't end up pulling it out. Uh, Josh Allen MVP. Keep watching out for that one as well. Another bad call of the week that we have uh, coming in at an honorable mention. Just gonna mention again. Uh, Mark started Keelan fucking Cole. Uh, over Tyreek Hill, and uh, yeah, just that was good. Just gonna keep mentioning that that was a thing that happened. Yeah, that could have gone under the radar. Not a lot of people, I think, saw that. They just saw the putrid scores and didn't even want to look at the the details there. But um, no, we we'll shine into the light, and I'm you know a man enough person to admit when I'm really fucking wrong. I was really fucking wrong then. Uh, pretty inexcusable there. And finally, we're going to round it out with uh, Christian. I just noticed on the waiver wire, he picked up Jared Cook. Um, and this is an honorable mention for the worst call of the week because I hate Jared Cook. And he's not even playing this week. He has a groin injury. Um, he's old. He's hurt. He can't catch. Jared Cook sucks. This is uh, probably my personal worst call of the week. Fuck Jared Cook. 
as a football player, I'm sure he's a nice guy. Yeah, that's a that's a sports hate. Just no no real hate there. No real story. You just don't like Jared Cook. Jared Cook sucks. Okay, let's move on. Just gonna cut in here with some uh, breaking news here that's probably only relevant to Mark and I, but uh, Liverpool's Sadio Mane test positive for COVID nineteen. Second player this week to test positive uh, following Thiago's positive test earlier this week. Unfortunately, I am serious. Um, I am devastated. Wow. Hold on. I I, I really need to figure this out. So (laughs) so Thiago Contra was the best player in our game against Chelsea. For those of you guys that want the soccer talk, stay on. For those of you that don't want the soccer talk, you'll probably need to fast forward this about 10 to 15 minutes. Probably like 30 just to be yeah, safe. Yeah, it could be, could be 30. We'll figure it out. We're going oh, through it live. Man. Oh, no. I'm just not okay, man. It's not it's, it's not a good thing. So we basically – did you have Sadio Mane in your fantasy soccer team as well? No, Sadio's out. I, I'm the triple Manchester United. I think I'm going to be saving my free transfer this week. Oh, that's nice. That's good. You get it next week. Yeah, so that's not good for Liverpool. Sadio Mane has been arguably the best player going back to last year. Basically, single-handedly has won – I would say six of our last 10 games for us had a great brace earlier, or it was a goal and assist earlier this year, has just been really dynamite and makes the whole team run. Thiago Contra was a really good new signing who came on in the Chelsea game, just absolutely bossed Chelsea. Yes, we were up a man, but it was necessary for him to get in there and boss it. And now we've lost both of those guys, and I'm concerned. I'm concerned for a couple different reasons. One, I do not want the Liverpool team to become the newest coronavirus hotspot because that would be devastating and two not having a full 11 going up into a pretty tough little stretch here of games is is not what you want um and i i'm i'm honestly concerned we we have made some good signings yoga jota looks very nice to start out start out the year he can maybe come on Minamino seems like he's coming into his own. We could potentially shift up the formation a little bit or let one of the young guys play. But I don't know. What, what do you think and where do you think we'll, we'll go with this now if Sadio has to sit out? I'm just upset more than anything. Like, it's so sad that two of our best players have come down with this. And, like, they've done such a good job up to this point of keeping, like, isolated and not really having any issues with it. And now for the second time in the span of a week – We've seen Tiago go down with it. We've seen Sadio go down with it. And, you know, as you noted, those are two of our most important players right now. The good news is we've got Aston Villa this week, and then it looks like we have the international break coming up after. Okay. Um, so we, we have the Aston Villa game on October 4th, and then our next game appears to be Everton on uh, October 17th. I do hope that they can both be back for Everton. Yeah, and the one thing which we still don't know, obviously, which is like, what is the long-term effects of this thing? Does he, like, does it actually hurt his stamina going forward? Like, there are a lot of players who have been coming back from that and look pretty good, um, Pogba being one of them, but um, just unclear how it's going to go. It's very sad for, for Sadio and, and for Thiago, and we just hope that um, they both get better, just personally as well as, you know, because Liverpool is our fucking team. And uh, we were really clicking on all cylinders after having a very big scare um, at the end of last year where we basically slept walked through the end of the Premier League season. Yeah, um, we, did, we did not look good at the, through Project Restart, but uh, starting this season has been certainly refreshing from, from my perspective as far as how we've played against a pretty good competition. You know, we, we've, we've dispatched Chelsea and Arsenal uh, with relative ease. And fortunately, I think this this next part of our schedule isn't too bad until we run into Manchester City in November. The one thing which I I do, you know, you notice the game against Villa is on October uh, 4th, which is a Sunday. Um, It's also in the middle of the day at 2.45 p.m. Eastern time. And so I want to get your take on how do you watch soccer while NFL Sunday is going on? Because I've been struggling with this. I would definitely always prioritize soccer, but... Do I have a right to walk into any sports bar and go, hey, just put one TV on the soccer game? Just one. That's all I need. I'll sit right in front of it. I will sit here. I'll pay for drinks all day. I'll pay for food. But, like, you got to give me that. Do I have that right in – I'm currently based in Tennessee. And so do I have that right in the south 
to go into a sports bar and ask for that. In Tennessee, probably not. I think uh, I think you're gonna get a lot of weird looks thrown your way. I yeah, I, I'm not I'm not seeing that happen in Tennessee. I think if you go to like a dedicated bar where they are showing the games, uh, then you definitely have a better chance. But you know, typically you, you don't find too many people, even even in the north, that are too friendly or uh, amenable to. <laughs> wanting to watch soccer yeah particularly over the nfl football oh, yeah dude it's gonna be a problem i don't because i don't know if the if the pats play and liverpool plays and i need to have red zone on i don't even know how i'm gonna manage my screens yeah, how, how many how many screens you're working for that point you're basically gonna have to be streaming on your laptop maybe streaming on your ipad then you have red zone i don't I, and you're already a streamer since half since you know you're, you're anti-cable i which i don't understand but since all you guys do is stream, you're gonna have five different windows up. Yeah, I hope you have a massive screen. I do. I so I have a I have two screens for my PC, and then I have a laptop as well. I think I might just have to sit in front of all three of them at the same time, uh, in order to get this going. But it's gonna be a challenge for sure. That concludes the soccer talk in the middle. We'll always include some soccer, um, just so we can continue to educate the rest of this league on the best sport that's actually around. We need to add some culture in this in this group, so you know you're welcome for that. All right, man. Late and breaking news. Goodness gracious! Thought we thought we handled that well. I'm still actually a little upset. That's that's. I'm so fucking sad. I got actually don't know if I can keep going, but we'll power through. (laughs) We'll power through the last bit of this, and then I my phone hasn't blown up during this, so I assume that those were the texts I was getting. So fuck. Yeah. Not not good at all. Um, in terms of other terrible news that has happened this week, it seems to be only terrible news these days. Um, it's been about six months of that, and uh, don't expect it to stop anytime soon. Uh, <laughs> bad, more bad news this week. Uh, the Titans had an outbreak of COVID-19 themselves, and uh, while they had originally scheduled the Titans and Steelers game to take place this Monday night, I believe, we were going to get a doubleheader on Monday night, even though all the players from that game were given buys for the week just because of the uncertainty that game has been postponed until I believe one of the team's bye weeks. I think it's the Steelers bye week. I think it's August, um, October 25th as I think when it just got posted to, which is fantastic for me since I have three players that are on those two teams um, after the blockbuster trade. And so I will, instead of having to plan a bye week out in the future, I basically have no choice but to play one lineup this week with everybody else out. Yeah, so the good news is it seems like it's just a reshuffling of bye weeks and then you're not going to you're not really going to lose too much. It's just, you know, not what you had originally pr- planned on strategically probably. Although I don't really know anybody who like plans around bye weeks anyways. I yeah, I don't know if anyone plans around bye weeks. That's a stupid way to draft. <laughs> Do we think anyone actually did that in this league? Someone no, had to. Have. I think it's it's so weird though because like when you're drafting players, it'll show you like ADP, fantasy points from last year, projected fantasy points for this year, and then a key, another key metric that they make sure to display on like the front page right there is bye week, as if anyone's going to make a fucking decision based on like, oh no, I have too many week 10 buys, like just fucking take the loss at that point. You got to draft the best team that you can draft. I think they do that for amateur fantasy players. I think they do it to try to catch people. I think it's their little troll. It has to be. There's no other way, right? I, I, but like, I don't even understand, like, if you're an amateur at the game, is that something that you even understand and are looking at? I feel like if you have any concept of what's going on and can look at those things, <laughs> you should know that that doesn't fucking matter. Like, oh, I, am I really going to take, like, I don't know, Tariq Cohen over raheem mostert because the buys match up like no i'm not a fucking idiot so can you I, imagine the spreadsheet you have to have though if you if that's your strategy just think just try to create this like just diversify bye weeks diversify bye week spreadsheets that optimizes for the most and then you, you gotta have to put in what everybody else's bye weeks look like so you can take advantage of those Dude. somebody's had i'm gonna google this after this and we can talk about it next time if i can find one person that has done this I want to go reach out to them and bring them on because it is dude, maybe this bonkers. is maybe we're thinking about this all wrong. Maybe this is the the hidden advanced stat of fantasy sports that has always been there, but nobody's ever taken the time to to really think about. Maybe if you arbitrage like 
minimizing your own overlapping bye weeks and then taking advantage of that for other people. Of everybody else's. Yeah, maybe you don't even have to draft a good team. Maybe maybe you just have to draft a diversified bye week team, and that's that's really the strategy that, that no one's explored to this point. Like that is that is maybe this is we just probably developed a new saber metric for fantasy sports. Yep, everybody's been thinking about it all wrong. We just figured it out. That's crazy. Fucking, we figured it out live too, and it started with us shitting on the bye week. This is exactly <laughs> how it's gonna work. This is hey, exactly how it's gonna work. This is this is how inventions happen. It's all about being open minded, man. You you just gotta you just gotta be open to the possibilities that that you know maybe maybe we've had it wrong this whole time. Maybe we just have to look at it from a different perspective. Speaking about having it wrong the whole time. <laughs> oh boy. Oh boy. Are you ready for this? Oh, we're yeah. gonna go there. Now nah, we're not gonna go there. That'll be next week. We'll go there next week. Um, <laughs> let's move on to the the matchups for this week. Um, let Let's go into it. Let's break it down a little. Um, we're going to go in order um, from the top seed to the bottom. So we're going to start out with um, Tim Tebow, my brother Max, versus our shady commish, Chris Camp. So we've got the first place team here playing against, I think, what? where is Chris? Is he sixth, seventh right now? He's seventh. Um, so why don't you give me the breakdown for, for this game, Nick? So... The Shady Commish, who is the person who drafted Christian McCaffrey first overall, hence the accusations of fraud, uh, scheming, just otherwise skullduggery. He lost Christian McCaffrey, but what he was able to do was participate in this blockbuster three-team trade this week. Let's see who he got in that trade. Let me just pull that up really, really quickly. He received Tyreek Hill, David Montgomery, and Patrick Mahomes from from none other than uh, you yourself. And he That's right. was also able to receive Julian Edelman. For that privilege, he exchanged Christian McCaffrey, A.J. Brown, Aaron Rodgers, McCaffrey's backup, Davis, and uh, Corey Davis as well on the Titans, who's been filling in for A.J. Brown. So I was going to say, basically, you could imagine, um, I, I think it was a very fair trade. I think everyone did pretty well here. He picks up, and now what he gets to do with his team is never, never move Pat Mahomes, DeAndre Hopkins, and Tyreek Hill. Um, he never has to move that and basically only has to play around with maybe some running backs and then his flex. And then I think it's sneaky. I think Edelman's a pretty nice little pickup um, over Corey Davis. And so I, I think overall a good trade. And it's basically now he's going to start David Montgomery. He's got four starters coming from that trade. Could be worse. Yeah, it looks good. I mean, Edelman's got 24 targets through the first three weeks. That's an average of eight targets per week. I think going forward, Edelman's going to have more value than Corey Davis rest of season. Corey Davis has benefited from A.J. Brown being out, so I think he definitely upgrades there. His top four is really strong, Mahomes, Hopkins, Hill, and Miles Sanders. Um, I think where, where his team still has some question marks is you know, playing David Montgomery as your running back two is not a situation that I would want to be in. Uh, I value running back depth and quality a lot more than that. Um, and then Tyler Higby has been kind of a letdown at tight end, but really who hasn't at tight end? He had a strong week two for sure, but the target volume is not there, um, especially compared with where we saw him last year. But yeah, overall, his team's looking a lot better. And despite getting rid of Christian McCaffrey, the number one overall pick, he is projected to win this week against the first place team in our league. So uh, interesting trade for all involved. Yeah, and the, the thing that has to be said about the Christian McCaffrey piece of it, which is, as you know, I'm a Panthers fan from North Carolina, love C-Mac. We don't want to win this year. We want to continue to lose. Um, we have no business. Teddy Two Gloves knows he's on a two-year contract. He is there to transition the team. Matt Rule, new coach. We're coming at Cam Brady, new offensive coordinator. We're coming in, and we're just trying to figure it out this year. And then I really just want us to continue to tank for Trevor, right? Because I backfield of Trevor Lawrence and Christian McCaffrey is going to be awesome for the future of the Carolina Panthers. And so I would not be surprised if Christian McCaffrey comes back from his high ankle sprain. One, you know, when Saquon came back from that last year, never looked the same. Um, I don't know, not, not saying that, you know, Saquon had two years in a row, so that injury is tough. But, like, Carolina is not going to chance it. If C-Mac's not, not up to speed, they're not going to play him. And then they also may want to lose by the end of the year because they'll probably be sitting at a pro probably two and six, two and seven when he's ready to come back. And I just don't see the upside there. And so I could see Christian McCaffrey not getting the 
the actual carries and like workload that he got last year that made him the number one overall pick. Um, interested to see I, I, what happens there. Mike Davis obviously cats out of the bag. Pretty good, pretty good player. Seems to be well uh, doing well deputizing, and could also see him cutting into Christian McCaffrey's workload if you actually think about it going forward um, as they ease back in. So um, overall, it was a risk you had to take if you're uh, if you're Christian who got kept Christian McCaffrey. Funny, um, but I think a good trade overall, and it is a, a high upside um, potential, but you know could could not work out for him. I'm with you 100% on Christian McCaffrey. I think, you know, while you look at a backfield with Christian McCaffrey and Miles Sanders and feel that that's something that you would want to build your team around, I think the risks involved with Christian McCaffrey, uh, not limited to coming back from a high ankle sprain, which, you know, we noted last year was not good for Saquon Barkley. He was not the same player when he came back. I think Christian McCaffrey rushing back from a similar type of injury is, is not going to be good for his production. Um, and I think that the emergence of Davis as a backup, and especially in the receiving game, which you think about the two biggest things about Christian McCaffrey was his you know, 95-plus percent snap share um, and his value in the receiving game, I think it's a huge risk. And I think offloading that piece at this point and getting a significant amount of value in return is a pretty savvy move. And uh, you know, in the projections, it looks to be paying off. Let's see if it actually works out that way. Awesome. So let's move into the actual matchup now. So basically we have Kamish with Julian Elman and his flex going against Timothy Tebow, Maxwell with CeeDee Lamb and his flex. Max has had an unbelievable start to the season, basically just buoyed by the fact that Russell Wilson and DK Metcalf have been otherworldly. And then you can always get another 15 to 25 point outbreak from the likes of Kamara, Thielen. Um, you know, a little rough with the RB2 being Adrian Peterson but seems to be the person who is winning the actual um, back backfield in Detroit. Um, yeah, but I don't expect do that to, to continue going forward, but for right now, Peterson is certainly getting the volume. Uh, I personally was on the other end of his Kamara going off for, I think, 38 points last week on yeah, last week Sunday night. Um, that was pretty unfortunate for me. But, uh, yeah, I think CeeDee Lamb is the play for him this week at Flex. We've got Raheem Mosert, who's been declared out, um, but he'll be another good option going forwards. I don't see a lot else on his bench that looks like a great option. Um, on the other side, for the commissioner, I think Edelman, he's carrying the questionable tag right now, but he's pretty much always carrying the questionable tag. That's not something to worry about. When was the, yeah, when was the last time he wasn't questionable? That Is that guy... Like Fifteen? Yeah, probably. Um, if that, he's he's always hurt, but he 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 does always show up and play. I, I don't see anything on this bench either that I'd play over Edelman. Um, you know, Marvin Jones Jr. and T. Y. Hilton are projected to score more points, but they've been very inconsistent this year. And Marvin Jones Jr. has especially been pretty disappointing for me because with Kenny Galladay out, he really didn't take advantage of the additional volume that was available in that Detroit offense. So. I think Edelman's for sure the move this week at Kansas City. So who do you think wins this one? Who are you, you going know, with? You know, I'm I'm back in our, our crooked commissioner. I'm back in the trade. I think, you know, certainly for this week you can probably get it done. I think, you know, perhaps this is the week that, that Max's dumb luck runs out and his team stops rolling, but he does have Russell Wilson and DK Metcalf going up against the Dolphins and Kamara going up against the Lions. He's got some really good matchups on the board, so I'm going to take it back. I'm going to completely flip. Uh, Max <laughs> Max, Max rolls this one. Sorry, Kamish. It's not happening this week. Uh, the number one seed continues to be the number one seed, unfortunately. Really remarkable. I don't even think he knows that he's in this fantasy league still. I think he just thought it was a draft. Um, he did I, He did get to join the group text, which was fun. I found out he had an iPhone uh, the other day. And wow. so add him to the group text. So he's looking to trade to Sean Watson since he has Russell Wilson. Um, we have plenty of people that probably need a starting quarterback, including people that are streaming, you know, Gardner Minshew potentially, stuff like that. I do um, have a storied relationship with Deshaun Watson as my fantasy quarterback. So that's something that I might think about. Well, there you go. Maybe you have to bring him on the pod and have live negotiations, let people hear it out and go from there. But um, I, I'm back in match as well. I think the matchups are what they are. There is a slight worry as Seattle sometimes does are coming um, east from west um, early game. We all know what that's like. And 
Seattle has had a tendency to sleepwalk every now and then just to basically show up and not really do anything and then finish it out in the fourth quarter somehow for a low-scoring game. I find it hard to believe they'll do it against Miami, but you never know. Um, I, however, am with you. Max somehow goes to 4-0 and continues to sit on top of this league, and I continue to be amazed by the fact that he may have a chance to win. Yeah, as long as, as long as Seattle keeps letting Russ cook. I don't, I don't think he's got anything to worry about in this one. Uh, the commish will be falling in this one. Yeah, continuing, but commish has a good outlook. I, I like where his team could be going. All right, let's go into next game here. We have my other brother, who is second in the league, Cam, Jameis Winston, pick six, going up against Cuckle Kelly, Zach, who is um, the one that I was saying is streaming Gardner Minshew at quarterback. Um, what do you make of this and their flex plays? So... As for the projections right now, looks like Skells is projected to have 125 and Cam's projected to have uh, 116. So Skells actually is favored in this one, but in looking at the, the lineups on paper, I'm really struggling to see how. Uh, is this another thing where Yahoo has no fucking idea what they're doing? Like uh, It continues to happen where it feels like these teams are favored or like, Adam Eckler, uh, Austin Eckler is going to go off for 16 points. I'm like, no, there's no, sorry. He hasn't done it all year. It's not happening. Like adjust your fucking projections and make it real, please. So so he did pop off last week. I think he had 11 targets and 11 receptions uh, with uh, Justin Herbert at quarterback because uh, a team doctor against stabbed Tyrod Taylor in the fucking lung. Yeah, right before kickoff, which is definitely not shady at all. But yeah, somehow Skells is projected to win despite starting Gardner Minshew at quarterback, who did not have a good week last week. They are playing Cincinnati this week, and Cincinnati's defense is dog shit. DJ Moore has been underwhelming this year, though. Most of the most of the big points in that offense have gone to Robbie Anderson. He's got Devontae Adams questionable against uh, Atlanta. So if he does play, I do I do think Devontae Adams will have a great week. But Todd Gurley and Devin Singletary, unreliable at running back and flex there. High on the projections there for me. Darren Waller projected to score 13 points. He did nothing against the Patriots last week, but he has been pretty good. It's hard to say. It's hard to say. Uh, do I think Devin Singletary is a good flex play here? I think you'd probably get more upside out of Robbie Anderson versus Arizona. So I think that Devin Singletary play, I might move that. I might actually play Devin Singletary over Todd Gurley. Um, just get Todd Gurley out of the lineup. Put Robbie yeah, get Todd Gurley out of there. and get. I tell you what, anyone who has Atlanta players in their lineup right now is dealing with some questionable juju watching Atlanta below the last two weeks. Like I, I basically have cleared out in all my fantasy leagues any Atlanta player. I want nothing to do with it. I'd be pretty comfortable with Calvin Ridley and Julio Jones, but outside of that, I don't you're not finding too much to be able to rely on there. Matt Ryan probably, but you know, I, I never you know, Matt Ryan's kind of like uh white bread at quarterback. <laughs> it's just like not there's nothing there's nothing exciting. There's not your upside is pretty limited and your downside you know, it's pretty terrible Very performance. <laughs> your downside is ten points, and that's not what you want from your from your starting quarterback. And that's not what you. That's not the range that you want him to be playing in. No. Um, On the other okay. side, looking at the flex, yeah, you're playing Devontae Parker against the Seahawks. The Seahawks have the worst passing defense in the entire league. I think Devontae Parker is a good play this week. Nothing else really on the bench that appeals to me. Uh, We're probably gonna get some Fitz magic this week. I can imagine against oh. that Seattle Seattle pass defense, and so. Could be interesting. I uh, don't think Fitzpatrick is uh, rostered in this league right now. I wonder if Skells makes an interesting play to actually Ooh. pick him up and play him to start to get some of the Devontae Parker points as well himself. Um, I think that's, a, that's, that's, a, that's a good idea, and that's good strategically as well. That'll, that'll sort of insulate you from that Devontae Parker risk, so to speak. Yeah, yeah. I, do th- I do think that's an interesting call. You do have Gardner Minshew against Cincinnati, which, again, is a really great matchup, but Fitzpatrick against Seattle is, is right up there. Yeah. Cam making an interesting call instead of streaming defenses with an open bench spot. He's going to stick with New England against Patty Mahomes right now. I would say that's a that could be a hilarious call to talk about next week if he stays there. That's an um, early shout for a pretty terrible decision. Uh, let's yeah. just take a look at who's available on defense right now because I have to imagine there are better options than anyone who's playing against the Chiefs. Yeah, I would imagine if you're going to 
stream defense like most people do, or if you know maybe you like New England defense, this might be the week. Let him sit. Let him hang out. Give him the week off. What did you got on the on the defense available right now? You know, it's not looking great, to be honest with you. <laughs> you've got Kansas City against New England. You've got Green Bay against Atlanta. Um, that could be a shout, but I don't love that. Cincinnati against Jacksonville. Cincinnati has a terrible defense. Uh, Seattle against Miami. Chicago against Indiana. Indianapolis, sorry. Um, They're playing the Indiana, Indiana Pacers. That's Indiana Pacers, Box yeah. Four. Uh, <laughs> Oladipo <laughs> is the only player I can think of on that team. <laughs> you got you got uh Zabonis? Oh yeah, 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 Bunch of Miles Turner? Oh fuck Miles Turner. Um, Miles Turner's dog shit. You also have um who'd they sign from Milwaukee? Fucking oh, Brogdon. Uh, what, Brogdon, right? Yeah, Brogdon. Uh, there you go. We got four players, that's enough. Yeah. What do you think about New Orleans? Oh T J Warren, dude. How could I forget? T J Warren, the oh, greatest player in the entire world. <laughs> the best um, player in the world in TJ Warren and the worst player in the world in Myers Miles Turner. Um actually sneaky sense. on the waiver wire. I like Houston against Minnesota. Not that the Houston defense Minnesota Yeah, Minnesota sucks ass. I would I would take any defense playing Kirk Cousins. I think the Colts defense put up like twenty five against Kirk Cousins uh a couple of You know weeks that Kirk ago. Cousins had negative three fantasy points in like the second week yeah yeah good it thing they're good thing they're paying him 40 million dollars a year fucking idiot i like that i like that a lot yeah that's a that's a good shout i also like um i think he like new orleans going into detroit detroit i think matt stafford has some turnover potential in him so get a couple points there um new orleans you know don't know if i love drew Brees, but you know could be on the field a lot, but I think that's a sneaky one. That's not bad. Yeah, there there are some options here. Um, I, I, I like Houston, do- I like Houston, and I also like you know I might like Dallas just because Baker Mayfield has looked atrocious. Yeah, that that's not a shout either. All right, so um, let's go through who's your pick there, Cam or or Scales. So this this has Scales projected to win, but uh, I I don't really see that happening. I think Cam definitely has the better team. Uh, despite only getting six from Noah Fant last night, which was disappointing to all of us Noah Fant fans, uh, I, st- I still think it's Cam. Uh, I, don't, I don't see this one playing out as Yahoo has projected. Um, as we've said, Yahoo projections are not very good. So I think Cam retains his spot in second place and Scales continues to plummet. Yeah, I think Scales continues to plummet. I think all those projections, most of the projections will go under for him. I think Cam probably by the time this podcast gets out, we'll hopefully have looked at his team and realized he has New England playing Kansas City and picks it up. And if not, this podcast will definitely prompt him to. And so he will get more than four points and probably, you know, what will probably end up as negative points for New England defense. And I, I think he pulls us out. I think, yeah, I think, I think he's got this. If I'm looking at it now. All right, let's go on then. So now we have your game. We have you going up against what I believe is Christian's bench. So Nick Libby. So we have Battles of the Knicks this week. So which Nick will prevail, and then which one will have to change their name? So what stands out to me right away, we both got Russian quarterbacks, so that's great. Uh, his wide receiver one is Odell Beckham Jr., which I love for me because that's, that's great for you. fucking garbage. Uh, Michael Gallup as his wide receiver two, which, I mean – if Michael Gallup goes off, then fuck me. But, like, Michael Gallup has had one good week so far. Uh, I feel okay about that. The running back matchup, he's got two really strong running backs. I like Dalvin Cook a lot. I like Josh Jacobs a lot. But Josh Jacobs has fallen off since the beginning of the season a little bit. And he's going up against a tough defense in Buffalo. So that 15 looks a little bit high for me. I think Zach Ertz has been underwhelming, and I would not have taken him. Looks like he did acquire Cooper Cup in a, in a trade with Keelan. He must have. I remember that pick from Keelan. I remember that was a terrible pick. Terrible pick, but not a bad, not a bad player. Just a terrible pick. Terrible pick. I, you know, he's had a couple good weeks this week, but as a as a Cooper Cup owner from last year, uh, I know I remember that when he was the wide receiver two through like eight weeks, and then he basically averaged like two or three points a week for the next couple of weeks. There, uh, not a reliable player down the stretch. Not a reliable player. In general, this Rams offense is a little bit up and down. So I don't know how I feel about Cooper Cup. I think some of his projections uh, over on that side are a little high. 
Lamar Jackson should have a good game against the Washington football team. But Cooper Cup, I think, is definitely the right flex play. So Not much on his flex. He could try to strike gold and put Jefferson in. Um, but as we just said, Kirk Cousins is trash. And so I don't expect that to continue to happen. Yeah, um, Jefferson is definitely a stash for me right now. You want to make sure that he, he proves it a few times um, to make sure that he actually can, can continue to put up performances like that. Um, yeah, he has, um, interestingly enough, he somehow is able to have Chark on his injured reserve when there's no injury to Chark. Um, it's probably so going to take that off. Probably going to have to move that, or at least, you know, he is dating the commission's sister, and so could be some collusion there. We'll have to look into that. That's fascinating. That's pretty disrespectful um, uh, as far as as far as I'm concerned. I'm surprised they haven't he, thought about that. Yeah, I'm surprised as well. Very interesting. Um, so then let's go on to your side. So basically, um, Cam, you gotta like you gotta like Cam going up against Kansas City. So Probably Cam, a lot of running. Yeah, I'm I'm hoping for the best with Cam. Cam had a great first two weeks. Um, so great, in fact, that I dropped Brady. Uh, you know, sort of wow. sort of my ex at this point, and I'm I'm rolling with Cam, my my new thing. Uh, unfortunately, Cam did not have a great week last week, and uh, Brady put up his first good week, which was pretty disappointing. But, uh, you know, I'm hoping rest of the season Cam has that rushing floor, scores those rushing touchdowns, and uh, continues to improve in the passing game. You know, I feel great about Tyler Lockett and that Seahawks passing offense. Mike Evans is a problem, though. Mike yeah. Evans has three one-yard touchdown catches this year, and outside of those one-yard touchdown catches, he has done almost nothing. Last week, his stat line was two targets, two receptions, two yards, and two touchdowns. You'd think I'd be happy about the touchdowns, but I'm really just upset about the targets, the receptions, how and the yards. Even, how is that even possible? I don't know, man. I don't know. I'm, I'm hoping for more. Uh, Chris Godwin's going to be out for a couple weeks, so you know, hopefully he's going to do pretty well during that time. I'm going to hope that his value appreciates a little bit. And then I'm going to hope that somebody who's not listening to this podcast right now wants to trade for him because uh, I'm going to be looking to offload him at the end of those two weeks. Yeah, I think, you know, that Tampa Bay offense was supposed to be really good. It was supposed to be high flying. I don't think Tom Brady has the arm strength to do that right now. I think it's going to be underneath. I think Mike Evans is a vertical receiver. He is not able to get vertical right now you as you said two yards on two receptions last week i would be concerned for mike evans's future i'm not super stoked about it i'm definitely looking to move on and uh you know find a receiver there with a little bit more volume Kenyon drake uh moving down the list was my number one overall pick and he's you know he's averaged about 10 points a week certainly not what you're looking for out of your number one pick but he is fourth overall in uh running back touches so i'm not worried about Kenyon drake i think you know, he'll start finding the end zone, and that'll be okay. Aaron Jones has been a beast, absolute MVP and un- for me. Unbelievable this year. People, people really thought I reached on that one, but uh, Aaron Jones was definitely the value play for me, even there at the top of the second round. So happy about how that's worked out. My flex has been interesting. You know, it's kind of like a lottery between Will Fuller, David Johnson, Kareem Hunt. It's just, you know, it's just hard to nail down like who's really going to have the best week there. I think I'm going with Will Fuller this week, despite some injury concerns. I think he has a good day against a very poor Minnesota secondary. David Johnson perhaps would be a little bit safer, but, you know, he's not been the best against some very good defenses that we've seen Houston come up against. So I'm going to I'm gonna wait that one out probably. And then, What's the over-under until Will Fuller gets hurt again? Is it week six? Oh no, it's a it's a day by day, it's a day by day. Okay. Um, so he, day. he did get hurt against uh, against the Steelers and uh, or was it no? He got hurt against the Ravens. Yeah, we're we're just going to be continuing to monitor that on a daily basis. Apparently, he had a, a hamstring concern this week, but then was declared fine a day later. So yeah, it's a roller coaster as a Will Fuller owner. You really just you really just have to be in for it. You got to be all in. All right. So who are you going with? You know, I got to back myself. I think that these projections on the other side are, are a little out of whack. I'm not worried about Odell. I'm not overly worried about Michael Gallup. I'm not worried about Zach Ertz. Um, and I think Cooper Cup at 14 is absurd. You know, he'll either put up a good game or he won't. But if he doesn't, it's not going to be anywhere close to that. So uh, I think I got this one. If the guys perform how they should, you know, the only thing that I'm looking to upgrade at this point is my tight end. Evan Ingram has not worked out at all. The Giants are fucking terrible. So 
you know, we're we're struggling there a little bit, but but overall, I think uh, I think I should have this one. Interesting. I'm actually going to go with other Nick on this one. I think a couple things happen here. I think Lamar Jackson, after a tough week last week, gets to go up against the Washington football team, and while they have been good defensively under new coach Ron Rivera, I think you know is Chase Young still out? Believe he's still out. I think that affects them a lot. I think Lamar Jackson gets back on track, has a massive game. I can see two running touchdowns, maybe two passing touchdowns there. Cooper Cup, the one thing while he is awful and a hit and miss player, he gets to go up against the dreadful New York Giants. And I can imagine, um, you know, West, uh, it's actually East going West that time. And so don't, not the, the opposite of the Seattle problem. I think he actually probably blows that projection out of the water and has a massive game. Um, and I think between Lamar Jackson and Cooper Cup blowing out, I think he might grab you this. Outrageous, slanderous, and a massive betrayal. Yeah, sorry. Well, we were we were aligned on so many. I had to do one thing. You know, <laughs> you can feel free to go against me in the next game. Uh, um, I think I might have to. All right, let's, let's go to this next game. So basically, we have Keelan, which is F minus my ass, whatever that means, uh, versus me. The Yahoo projections are a little skewed since I don't have a kicker in right now. I'll get to that strategy in a second. Give me give me your talks on this game. So right now, Keelan is projected to score 124 points, and you're projected to have 105. You know, let's give you eight points for a kicker, um, 113. So Keelan's projected to win by about 10 points. Uh, looking at the quarterback matchup, I think he's – probably got a slight edge with Josh Allen, but I think that 21 projection for Aaron Rodgers is low, especially against Atlanta. I think you're looking at two 30-point quarterbacks realistically. Receivers, you've got Boyd and Brown, and I know that's that's not ideal for you. You'd rather probably have Juju in there, who's missing his week this week on the, uh, the COVID game, as well as A.J. Brown, who hasn't actually played this season, but is also involved in that game. But then Keelan's got to go with Terry McLaurin, who's a little bit banged up against a very strong Baltimore defense. So, you know, I think And you he... can't say enough about how bad Haskins has looked either. Haskins, I would say, probably not going to be the long-term quarterback solution in, in Washington. Dude, what are you talking about? He's better than multiple Hall of Famers and starting NFL quarterbacks. Oh, yeah, hold on. Let's go back to Baz's list. Where is he again? Eighth? Haskins, um, I think he has him. Uh, he has him in Tier 2, which is first ballot <laughs> Hall of Fame, just I think. way too fucking high. He's got Haskins above Phillip Rivers, Matt Ryan, uh, Fitzmagic, Gardner Minshew, Jared Goff. Baker Mayfield, Daniel Jones, and Sam Darnold, which there is absolutely zero evidence to support. Haskins has been fucking terrible. So that's always a concern with Terry McLaurin, especially going up against that Ravens defense. Yeah, I don't think it's the free week that Keelan is hoping for. I think when he saw how many players you were missing out because of that game um, and because of the way that that trade shook out, he was thinking he was going to free week. But I think Boyd's going to see a lot of volume against a terrible Jacksonville defense. I think John Brown is, is, you know, very, very underrated as a fantasy receiver. Henderson's been doing great. You don't know what you're going to get with Mixon at this point. Uh, the Cincinnati offensive yeah. line has been pretty, pretty bad. So that 15-point projection could be high, or he could finally prove his value. Andrews also has been a, a massive disappointment. I'm an owner of him in the in another league. But um, I think it's going to be closer, certainly, than than he expects. And he's got he's got question marks across the board. Terry McLaurin's banged up against that Baltimore defense, like we said. Chris Carson is banged up. He's got a great matchup with Miami, but uh, how much is he going to play coming off a uh, pretty nasty looking knee injury last week? It's, it's yeah, hard to say. Very. And then what do you think about his flex? So he's got McKinnon, Hollywood Brown, the Hines, who he spent a whopping thirty seven dollars for thirty seven dollars. Antonio Gibson. What do you what do you think? Where should he go there? Yeah, I think I would have rolled Crowder. Um, easy to say, looking at his, his 14 points from last night, but um, I'm a huge fan of volume, and uh, Jay Crowder, or Jamison Crowder, sorry, not Jay Crowder, the, the Miami Heat player. Jamison Crowder is a is a huge volume whore, and uh, I, I love that. I mean, I, I'm all over that. So I probably would have gone with Jamison Crowder uh, as a little bit of a safer play, but at this point you probably have to go McKinnon, um, considering – Raheem Mostert is out, so McKinnon's probably a safe play here. And then I just basically set my lineup since I had no players left. Um, I picked up 
Ayuk this morning, interesting enough. think he could continue to get some good momentum going forward with everyone out in San Francisco. Debo Samuel, like you said, uh, Mostert, maybe maybe stick him in into the wide receiver, but I think I'm I'm stuck with this lineup. I've got to pick up a kicker. I think while the other projections are, I think, wrong, I don't think I win. I think Keown does beat me. And then for the rest of the year, it's basically me trying to squeeze the maximum points out of this team by making good choices every single week, which if we go back to last week, we know I'm capable of incredible overthinking and horrible choices. So I'm looking forward to going one for 15 this year and coming in last place. It's tough when you when you miss on that first overall pick. Barkley going down is not doing you any favors. Um, but yeah, I really I got to go with Keelan in this one. But I do think it'll be closer than he thinks it might be. Yeah, and who knows? Maybe maybe we get a big Tyler Boyd game. Maybe Rodgers goes off. That's what I'm gonna have to hope for every week. You know, Judy getting two receptions, one basic Moss grab on the six on the sixty yard touchdown it was nice. But I don't know. We'll think- we'll see what happens. I think Judy's a riser rest of season, you know, losing Cortland Sutton is not good for that Denver team, but you get top 10 quarterback Drew Locke back in there. Um, That's right. Maybe Jared Judy could do something. You never know. Never know. All right. So we got Keelan in that one. Now for the last game of the week, we have our fifth place team playing the 10th place team. Uh, the Hurt Locker Christian playing Keelan's best man and Baz. Baz is currently having James Conner in his starting lineup, which is affecting the projections here. But why don't you go ahead? Oh, yeah. So that's that's interesting. So Baz is projected at 119 to Christian's 122. I guess Baz is 120. But that's despite having James Conner in there. However, I don't He's really know. fucked himself here. He really has fucked himself by playing James Conner at running back and Melvin Gordon at flex when he really should have flipped those and given himself the option to play a wide receiver. He doesn't have that option, and he really does not have the depth at running back. So Baz is going to have to make some moves here with Chris Godwin out, Mike Williams out, DeAndre Swift uh, and Benny Snell are his only backup running backs. Benny Snell also not playing this week because of that same game, Um, and DeAndre Swift projected for only 5.5 points. It's not looking good for Baz right now. He's going to have to make some moves in this one. Yeah, Baz is going to have to hit the waiver wire hard. And then I also think Baz may be the only chance I have of not losing this league. Um, <laughs> Joe Burrow, quarterback, and while Burrow's tossing dimes, he also throws a lot, will throw some interceptions throughout the year. And so basically it could be a fight for me and Baz in the last and. I feel pretty good about that if he's going to continue to make roster blunders like this. This is bad. He has really, really fucked himself. Yeah, he really has because he could win this game pretty handily if he had just managed his roster more appropriately. Melvin Gordon popped off, and that put him in a really great position, but um, he's really hamstrung himself here, especially if, no pun intended, uh, Julio Jones can't return from his hamstring injury in time for their game Monday night. At that point, you're not really going to have any options. So uh, he's really putting it all out on the line. You know, looking at the waiver wire right now for options for at running back, there's not a lot there. You've got Zach Moss, who's questionable coming into this Vegas game. He's not done a lot this year, and he missed last week. You've got Chris Thompson, who could get some receiving volume, but again, has been inconsistent. You're not going to get more than probably 10 points out of him. Carryon Johnson is an interesting one, but you know his highest scoring week has been 9.2 and hasn't put up a lot of points in, in either of the two other weeks. Um, he's in a real bad spot here. I'm not going to lie to you. I mean, you could think about him trying to go after maybe Malcolm Brown, um, try to get a touchdown there. Yeah, he, he really, really is not in a good spot. Our friend Josh Kelly's on here. Um, who I also believe Keelan spent multiple amounts of money on. Um, Every single yeah. guy that he picked up and spent over half of his uh, fab budget on, it's uh, not looking good for Keelan, considering that they're all on the waiver wire here. Man, that, this could this is another contender for bad call of the week. Just every player Have, that he's picked up off of waivers. Yeah, there's, there's that, and then there's also this blunder of of Baz by playing Gordon in the flex. Um, if he ends up losing this game, that could easily we could have Baz on next week to not only have to defend his quarterback rankings, but also to explain this decision. 
Yeah, I'm looking through these running backs, and it's it's tough to look at, man. I really don't know what he's going to do. You're basically playing the touchdown lottery at this point. There's not enough volume for any of these guys to play reliably. Yeah. We don't even necessarily have to go too far um, into Christian because I actually think Christian's going to win because of how mad this is. But Christian's going to play Diggs, which is a great flex option. I think he has not a lot of options on the bench, but I think Christian's lineup's pretty set right now, and I think he just takes us takes us home. Yeah, I played Diggs all day here. Um, I'm seeing more why he thought that picking up Jared Cook might have been a good idea. Uh, Hayden Hurst has been a disappointment at tight end. He's definitely got some weakness there. From me to you, Christian, Jared Cook is never the answer. Uh, let me just tell you that right there. That's for free. But yeah, I think Diggs is, Diggs is your flex, and I think you hit the nail on the head. I think uh, Baz's roster mismanagement is going to bite him in the ass this week, and uh, he's going to continue to struggle. Man, that's nice. He's going to go to 0-4. Oh I'm going to go to 1-3. I can't wait until me and him have to lock horns and have a horrible matchup that may decide who gets last in this league. That's yeah, going to be fun. The battle of the bad teams, I guess. I don't know. We'll, we'll work that, out that. That's the previews for this week. Let's quickly hit just the end of our subject here. Who are you having as your risers and who are your followers team-wise after, after a week of furious transaction my risers probably keelan and mark they made some good trades they were definitely the ones driving those trade talks and i think if their projections work out then then you know ideally they're the they're the winners of those trades so to speak keelan's team despite being graded as an f minus is uh is performing pretty well your team uh definitely has a lot of room for improvement so any improvement would be uh, a marked step forward in that respect. And then for my fallers this week, you know, we're looking at Skells. Skells is, uh, he's floundering. He's struggling. A sneaky faller, I think, as well is is Cam, uh, Jameis Winston, pick six. He started the season out very strong, very, very strong indeed. But he, he gave away. Gave up, I believe, Carson and another player. And only got back Kyler Murray and then the corpse that is Le'Veon Bell. Yeah, so anytime you're getting Le'Veon Bell back in a trade, I think you're a huge loser, pretty much no matter what happens. Keelan made some absolutely terrible decisions drafting this year. He drafted Le'Veon Bell with no knowledge of the situation with Adam Gase and Le'Veon Bell in general. He drafted Cooper Cup at a, at a terrible value, so... Uh, he's managed to offload both of those bad decisions, and that's why he's a huge riser for me this week. And, uh, you know, Cam's on the other end of that stick, so uh, I don't think getting rid of Chris Carson was a great idea. And, uh, you know, Kyler Murray's pretty good, but but Le'Veon Bell is, is uh, not a return that I would ever be interested in. Yeah, unclear what the negotiation tactic was there. I know I brought my brother on to try to defend himself. He did it pretty well. And then now looking at it again, I was just taken by his words the moment. That's a horrible fucking trade. Like, yeah. what are you doing? I didn't you, like you're it at all. You're, it, it, McLaurin was the other guy that he gave. So, yeah, you don't know. There's some up and down there. But, like, did you really need to upgrade to Kyler Murray? You were doing pretty well. You gave up Carson, who, yeah, while he's hurt, like, was performing super well for you. And then you just – getting back Le'Veon Bell is just not anything you ever want to do. And then – I can't. I, yeah, that's a horrible trade. I should have vetoed that trade. But. If you're a Le'Veon Bell owner, you would do anything to get rid of Le'Veon Bell. I think you know if you had made the mistake of not understanding what the situation was, you looked at the name, you were like Le'Veon Bell. I'm getting great value for him at this point, <laughs> at this stage of the season. You're looking to get rid of him in any way that you can, and somehow Keelan was able to do that. Thanks, Cam. really. really hey, hey, Cam, good work, buddy. <laughs> My, the only riser I will add is um, I actually like what our Crooked Commission did um, in, in this trade. I think flipping, um, flipping McCaffrey is always tough, and you can always feel like you're giving up on the number one player. But I think with the unknown situation of what he's going to come back with, as well as then flipping it for Mahomes and Hill, um, having Mahomes, Hopkins, and Hill as a top you know, three pair, top three starters there is very, very good. And I, I really do think that this puts Commissioner Gordon in a, in a place where he can get out of the middle of the pack and start to edge higher towards um, a playoff spot at the end of the day. He's definitely got a strong top end. I can't support that because it's just philosophically antithetical to everything that I practice. Um, I don't like David Montgomery as my RB2. I need more depth than that. So 
yeah, we, we'll see what happens. He has some upside for sure, but uh, that depth just scares me a little bit uh, with respect to that situation specifically. The only other thing we could say is that Baz, despite being winless uh, on the season, his team has scored, I think, the fifth most points overall. So his team is better than his record would suggest. So I think he would have to be a little bit of a riser by default. That rise is going to be certainly capped by a pretty terrible start at 0-3. Yeah, and we'll see. I mean, you know, we'll see if he continues to, like I said, make the mistakes he's making this week. And then if he, if he doesn't, yeah, I, I like the, the points for. I think he's got a good team and will absolutely be able to, to crush it going forward. Um, Actually, yeah, I take that back. His upside is capped by his terrible roster management. That's yeah. just not going to be good going forward for him. Yeah, I could see him dropping to 0-5. Let's see who he has next week. I think next week he's got... Uh, me, great news. So this will be a fun. <laughs> you always love to see that name on the schedule. You know, I can liken it. I can liken it to to what we're witnessing now with Sheffield United over in the Premier League. They had a great oh. year last year, but they have yet to score a goal in the Premier League this year. And over the next four weeks or so, I think they're playing. You know, each of Liverpool, Manchester City, Chelsea, Arsenal, and they've got like Fulham mixed in there. So if they don't score a goal against Fulham, then I think they won't score until November at least. And this season started, uh, you know, back at the beginning of September. So it's not looking good for Sheffield United. Not looking great. A team that finished, you know, what, seventh, um, was was thinking about a European spot last year, maybe eighth. Yeah, between them and, and actually Fulham, who could be relegated by Christmas, I think. I they think literally may be relegated by Christmas. They yeah. are horrific. Um, they lost to, I believe they lost three 0 in the Carabao Cup yesterday to a League Two team. There's just like you know, nothing. That's, that's going always well. what you want. Nothing going well in Fulham, a team that butchered their last interest in the Premier League by going down the next year. It looks like they're going to repeat that. Um, I believe they have some American owners, and it seems like the American owners need to get their act fucking together. Because owned by Shad Khan, actually. I think he is Iranian, and he is the owner of the Jacksonville Jaguars as well. So going very well for Shad Khan in terms of ownership there. Yeah. And you've got Garner Minshew and Fulham. Congratulations. Oh. All right. Well, I think that wraps up this week. Um, we will have Baz on next week. He was supposed to come on today. But, uh, you know, he said he wanted time to prepare. I have no idea what he's preparing. He's probably preparing another list. Probably, probably going to give us another list. Can't wait to see what it is. Um, but other than that, thank you guys. And we'll talk to you guys soon. Yeah.